Hey, Gabriel Blake. Hey, Gabriel Jose. Where are we today? We're in the same place we almost always are. I'm in San Francisco. And I'm in Chicago, yeah. I mean, uh, the funny thing is that you are absolutely right. We never change locations. Even if we are recording from different cities, I think that we're always on the same room with the same background and everything. Yeah, uh, maybe for being like a bit more faithful to our title, you know, to our podcast name, maybe we should start like using this kind of virtual background and just like <laughs> using pictures of different dive bars. I'll go to Edinburgh Castle, take some pictures and send it to you. And you can go find one in Chicago and send it to me. You can just take like photographs of Venom. <laughs> I'm using it. Uh, I, I had to say that that was like one of my favorite kind of promotional things when Eddie Brancastle was saying is that this is where, what is the name? Tom Hardy's ass was. Yeah, oh, that was <laughs> such a bummer. And it became yeah. popular for like, what, a month, two months? People were there all of a sudden. Well, I had to say that Eddie Brancastle is like a weird bar because I remember trying to go one day during the weekend and it was packed. Yeah, yeah, I think that it's like one of those like weird bars that is like during the weekend is more or less popular. That it has like a bleeding of people, you know, from uh, the Polk area. To be fair, we always went on Wednesday, so. <laughs> yeah, Wednesday at seven, you know, it's like probably it's not the most popular spot. So, right. uh, but in any case, talking about like popularity, what did we watch this time? We watched the 2022 film, Men. <laughs> I, like, I like how contundent you are, men. <laughs> well, I think um, Alex Garland was trying to be as um, incendiary as I was when I said men. It's clearly a derogatory term. Um, in fact, he, he gave an interesting interview in the New York Times when he's like, it's it's so interesting that people are so offended by this title because people were upset with it. Why? I think it was like showing men overall to be bad. But let's not let's not talk about that yet. Let's get into the... Uh, yeah, so uh, I think that this was my pick. Let me just triple check, but I think it was my pick. Yeah, it was my pick. So uh, there is what I picking it is because I, I have like a low, sorry, like a hate and almost hate relationship with Alex Garland. And I always had the feeling, we had discussed about him like multiple times. I always had the feeling that he may have like a good idea or good material on his hands. He is like visually like really interesting, but the execution is always an S. It's always like, no. So for you anyone who's not familiar with Alex Garland, he directed Ex Machina, Annihilation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and eight episodes of the TV show Devs. Devs, yep. Uh, but he's actually, like, he wrote Never Let Me Go. Well, obviously not the novel. He adapted the novel. Um, so, and he he wrote one of the best sci-fi films of all time, Sunshine. Dude, dude, that's right. I have forgotten about that. Yeah, it's... 28 days later. And the beach. So, I think it's safe to say, besides the beach, everything he touches is almost great. <laughs> Let's say that almost is like a big, you know, like window. You know, it's like almost can be like 0.1% great, you know, to 99% great. He's 
more on the lower scale, you know. I think there is a bit more of a problem of execution, but, you know, that's a bit more of a, I want him to be great. Is that people look up to him as, you know, like one, besides Villeneuve, as one of the big hopes of sci-fi, you know, a representative of sci-fi. And I was interested to see him directing something that is pure horror. That is like, you know, like the A24 spectrum of now we're going to be like doing horror because the young audience is what it wants. Because this is an A24 film. In I, all the aspects. <laughs> I do think he's he's interesting. Um, you didn't like Annihilation that much. I did. Um, there's always major problems with, with his films. But overall, it's interesting and it's outside of the mainstream. A little bit. <sighs> yeah, I mean, Annihilation, we can talk about it. But in any case, I, I I feel like, you know, we already like gave like too much preface about the director. And we're going to be like talking a bit more about it later. Uh, so should we just summarize the movie? Yes, we should. Um, so the movie stars Jesse Buckley as a young woman named Harper. Um, Jesse Buckley also starred in the Charlie Kaufman film, uh, I'm thinking of ending things. So she has a like distinctly creepy aspect about her just because of the films that I've seen her in. Um, she is a Londonite, right? Yeah, she lives in London. She has a beautiful apartment on um, the Thames. Good lord, I can't even imagine yeah. how much. Um, and she is in an, in an abusive relationship. And what I'm explaining now is revealed slowly throughout the film. She's in an abusive relationship. Her, uh, I can't remember if it's husband or boyfriend, but her partner. It's husband. It's husband. Uh, also, we're going to be like probably spoiling the crap out of this because I'm yeah. going to be like talking about the ending like explicitly. So if anyone has an interest in watching this, probably they should wait until they have watched it. Spoiler alert. Yeah. So her husband, she finally realizes that she needs to leave him and she tells him this and he hits her and it may or may not have been the first time it was physical abuse but she it was it was the first time and i think that they were like separated and when, when she actually comes back home and it says that it was a divorce he actually threatens her with killing himself yeah so she finally kicks him out and he's like if you don't take me back i'm gonna kill myself and he goes upstairs in the apartment building not to their apartment breaks into an apartment and either kills himself by jumping off the balcony or was trying to get into her apartment by climbing over the balcony it's unclear uh, but he he falls and dies so she while decides, she actually sees his face so she actually sees him yeah. the uh, and then she runs down and sees the uh, extensive damage to the body which was pretty graphic um so she decides that she's going to go for, I think, two weeks to an Airbnb or a Verbo. They don't specify the platform. She rents a, a beautiful country, like, house. country house out in, like, in a village somewhere in the English countryside. Um, and it's stunning. And it's exactly what she needs. And it's very, very nice. It's much she doesn't need like this enormous house, but whatever. Um, and she meets the, the landlord, and he is creepy. <laughs> I think that he's pretty jolly. He is not jolly. He makes a joke when she eats an apple out of the garden, and he's like, oh, no, no, you shouldn't do that. Like, right after they met, he's like, it's forbidden fruit. And then he lets it, like, the silence hang for a while, and then he's like, oh, no, I'm only joking. 
It's that's pretty secure. No, no, dude. It's a bit more like because you go with the mentality that this is going to be like a horror movie. I felt that he was like jolly until he was not, spoiler alert. But, uh, and besides that, it's a bit more about like the contrast because she likes to say that she's from London, like the contrast of someone from rural or more countryside UK and someone from the city. Just like I do. I'm not from Idaho. I'm from San Francisco. <laughs> but yeah, sorry. Um, and so the rest of the film, uh, you can call out some specific points if you want, but the rest of the film is her exploring the countryside, going into the, the town pub, and basically everywhere she goes, she encounters men. In fact, I don't think there are any other women besides her best friend that she speaks to on FaceTime. And the policewoman. Oh, and there is a police one. Yeah, yeah, like for a second. While she's walking in the countryside, there's basically a feral naked man that's like chasing her and all sorts of creepy environments. Like she finds an abandoned train tunnel that she starts to sing in. In fact, if you've seen the trailer, you've seen her doing that. Uh, 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 uh. Which is very similar to things that were done in Annihilation and Ex Machina. Um, in fact, I think that sound is directly it's from, from Annihilation. Yeah. yeah. Um, and like she meets a priest at a church in a graveyard where there's this disturbed young boy who calls her these horrible names and so she speaks to the priest the priest is like oh forgive him he's kind of messed up and she's like oh my husband she explains the situation that her husband killed herself and he says well what did you do or like how did you drive him to it basically blaming her um and all of these men, the young boy, the landlord, the priest, the men, the, the policeman, the yeah, man, the naked guy, yeah, it's all the same actor. Um, yep, it's pretty clear. Alex Garland is saying men are all the same. Let's not get into the symbols yet. I don't know if this is really symbolism or just Alex Garland taking a hammer over our heads, like, men yeah. Are it's like you know like from a metaphorical perspective i think that this guy is as subtle on the metaphorical aspect as a stone to the face you know similar to a fastbinder you know? so the ending is um pretty freaking epic uh the the feral man it's the feral man right the breaks into her house and he's naked by the way there's a lot of dick in this movie a lot of dick yeah. um but not the uh, vaginas kind of gross so at the end the one or all of the men you know they're all the same men breaks into her house and then has a series of births you see this man with a penis like birth something out of a vagina yeah and the vagina actually changed locations so initially it's like where vagina is supposed to be and then he actually moves to his back the vagina goes to his back because it's a cyclic kind of birth a bit yeah, more about like, like nine births or something it's insane it's just like yeah it's comes out, it gives birth and dies something comes I'm, I'm still not going to be like telling my whole opinion but i had to say that it got to a point that it was like just rolling my eyes about like do we need one more honestly it, it do... went on for a while i I'm just gonna say it now. The ending worked for me. <laughs> it was weird and creepy as hell. I can tell look, it didn't. <laughs> I mean, the thing that for me I was expecting is that look, I know that the last birth is going to be the husband. <laughs> you know, and it's like what happened. The last birth is the husband, and she's actually waiting with an axe 
because the friend also says like, if one of that feral naked guy comes uh, close to me, I will use that axe and I will ask you to chop his dick. And yes. And the, she's just waiting with the axe to like, the husband. Harper's like, what axe? And a friend is like, the one right behind you. And in the FaceTime view, you can see an axe leaning up against the wall. And I was like, oh, he read Chekhov and he understands the, the principle of gun. Like, come on. I think that I don't get that. Uh, Anton Chekhov said, yeah. um, if you write about a gun in the first chapter, it, or the first act, it better fucking go off in the third. It's actually misinterpreted. People interpret it that way, but what he was actually saying is don't add unnecessary detail. So if the gun doesn't go off, don't write about a gun. Like, anyway, it doesn't matter. The second she was like, oh, there's an axe. We're like, okay. We see Look, where this is going. I, I think... I, I understand. I understand that, you know, but at the same time, it's like I think that there is like a perfect counterexample to this that is funny games, where we actually see the knife at the beginning on the boat. But that's all in the third act. It's all in the final minutes. No, 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 no. They see the axe. They see the knife at the beginning of the movie when they are like just writing. And they actually, it's left there, you know. But it's like, I love that part because it's a bit more about like, hey, I'm actually playing with the expectations that you're expecting this to actually play like a pivotal role later. And it's like, nope, is it? Nope, cease, yeah. I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say that Alex Garland was not playing with our expectations. He was no. like, Axe, gonna be used. Yep, yeah, it's a bit more it's like, just keep in mind that Axe, that zoom that I did to the Axe, I may come back later, yeah. So uh, that... Hanukkah did that with the golf clubs as well. The golf clubs are very ominous at the very beginning, and then they come out and break the destiny. Yeah, but it's a bit more like a second act, like first act and second act is that, and it's a bit more about like, hey, I'm going to be using this for something violent. In this, a bit more is like, hey, I'm going to be like leaving this as some kind of symbol of hope, and I'm going to be like telling the audience there was no hope. It doesn't matter what you want to happen, is that you are my victim here. In this case, it's a bit more like the opposite way. That is that like, actually the axe represents some kind of way of hope and mending in a violent way. Yep, yep, I can see that. And then also there's a lot of um, there's a lot of religious symbolism out being too uh, nuanced or complex. Basically, the apple tree has apples fall from it. The landlord calls it forbidden fruit. She's clearly fallen in the way that men tell women that they're fallen. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Almost like she's subtle. It's so frustrating. If we had to like dig some of these like ideas out just a little bit, it would have been more interesting. But no, it's just hitting you over the head with this. Oh. Yep. Yep. Uh, I think that this is a movie that tries to be a smarter than it actually is. I would argue that all of his films and the ones he's written do, <laughs> except for 20 Days Later, which struck a perfect chord for me without that final act. Oh God, no, he's never done anything good. <laughs> but the problem is like, I think that he cannot resolve the stories. Annihilation has like some parts that they are absolutely amazing, you know, but it's like overall, the taste that I live, you know, like the cinema with is like, what the heck? Just leave, just allow someone else to go over the script and add like more nuance and a bit more of elevation to it. But I mean, so the novels he chose to adapt, they also have problems, except Never Let Me Go, which is a very well-respected movie. Why couldn't he, er, sorry, sorry, very well-respected book. Why couldn't he just adapt that book? 
don't know. I don't know, man. Uh, so, I could say you something. There were like a lot of laughs on the cinema while I was the cinema, while I saw the movie, and I rolled my eyes. It started amazingly well. Yeah, he he knows how to how to set up tension and like an yeah. underlying madness. Um, and I think uh, the the woman Harper. Yeah. Jesse Buckley. Jesse Buckley is is fantastic in this, and the man that plays all the men, he was brilliant. And I think without those two, this would have felt like deflated even more so than it kind of did. It feels like (laughs) kind of like riding a bike with one flat tire. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, you have to say that basically the whole movie is two actors. Because the friend, the friend could even be played by by herself, you know, by Harper, by uh, Jesse Buckley, and that'll be fine. And the, so the you mentioned the police officers remind me two came, and it was that same actor and a woman, right? Yeah, correct. Because the actor actually just looks back for a second, and then we actually see him in the bath, and then we see him like coming back again and harassing her, like all the men in her life because she also looks at the camera when she says that it's like oh back in London I used to be bullied I'm used to that yeah there's just <laughs> there is no subtlety you know no, there's nothing uh, yeah. there, there are some good aspects to this film I, I felt entertained um, it wasn't boring in the slightest that's <sighs> great but I didn't check my watch for instance um, the first part, once again, I think like the building tension, you know, when you don't know if it's going to be like a dream, if it's going to be reality, or what exactly is going on. I think that it was good. I think that uh, like the scene on the tunnel, you know, albeit I think that it's like physically impossible, you know, and it doesn't make a tunnel. It doesn't make any sense having a tunnel of this land in the middle of a forest, but whatever. I think that it was like pretty well shot. You know, like how she's like playing, you know, and you actually feel like, oh, how quaint, how whimsical. Until you see like the the guy from the other side, like standing up and screams and start like just running towards her. I felt it's like, that's cool. It's like a good build up tension, you know, and this actually comes back to the home and they detain the guy. From that point, I think that things started to just go like a bit off until the end that for me like the multiple birth i was like okay i think there's a bit more of this kind of religious thing about like now i have like this kind of hermaphrodite character in front of me that is like giving birth to himself almost like if main toxicity is like a cycle in itself that it perpetuates and makes itself like worse and worse until it ended in his husband in her husband but sorry would you call this body horror no I don't think that it gets to body horror. Would you call Annihilation body horror? It's been so long since I've seen that film. I don't remember any body horror in them. Uh, but uh, I think that there was like a bit of cosmic horror at the end of Annihilation, and there was like this girl that turns, and there was like even like people that they would like explode with the vegetation like coming from them. I don't know if you remember that they find like another one of the squadrons where her husband was. And it was like spreading a swimming pool against the wall or something crazy. Yeah, no, I think this. Yeah, you're right. This this isn't body horror as a genre. That final scene certainly is. Um, 
yeah, a bit closer, I guess. But I don't think that is like the point per se. You know, I don't think that is like a, I don't think that is like a movie. Cronenberg would have done like something worse out of this. Cronenberg would want us to walk away with questions. Alex Garland just wants us to walk away with answers. <laughs> He wants us to just like think how smart he was with that story. You know, like, oh my god, I feel like my life has changed after seeing this because I feel like Ex Machina is similar about like, oh my god, now I'm going to be afraid of AI. What are we doing? In this case, it's like, oh my god, I'm a man. What am I doing? I'm so curious. Uh, so I, I did creep into your Times review and I don't remember anything about it, but I want to see what this has on Rotten Tomatoes. Guess. I think that is 60 something or 70. It's not too high. 69% from critics, 40% from audience. So the, the critics' consensus is if its narrative and thematic reach sometimes exceeds its grasp, magnetic performances from a stellar cast help men make the most of its horror provocations. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I was entertained. There's nothing subtle here. Uh, he does set up tension well. Um, and that's to say about that's it uh so quick question because that's something that i uh i went with my boyfriend to watch it and we were like just like discussing at the end is that did you like it by the way uh i think that we were more or less on the same page you know about like meh meh uh but we left and we said like okay i wanted to just ask he's like there is never like any kind of conclusive answer but we even like see when she's calling her friend we see like interferences in facetime you know, like some kind of noise and we see like someone screaming or like a face, some wow, like trying to scream. We don't see, I don't know if we actually distinguish if it's like the man or if he's someone else. But there is like something disturbing. It's like the first time that we see like something maybe off here. Mm -hmm. uh, my question to you is that, do you think that this is happening in reality? or if it's something that she's imagining or something else. I have like a clear idea here. I think, um, I'm sure his intention, well, I'm not sure. I believe his intention was to show what it's like to be a woman. And like, I think women are always just nervous about, you know, is this a good guy or a bad guy? And everywhere they go, they have to ask themselves that one typically, like, I don't do that really. Um, so I think that the story is meant to like be allegorical, but I think she's literally experiencing that. And I would argue that I can provide evidence as Harper tells her friend, come up. Like she, the friend wants to come up and she's like, no, I need to be alone. And then finally when all this shit happens, she's like, yeah, come. And there's like this car chase at the end where she runs into like a, a hedge or a fence in front of building and she runs into the house and then there's the night of horrors um all of that happened like the, the friend arrives the next day and sees the result of all of this whether or not what happens after that scene like i think everything is supposed to be literal up until what happens in the kitchen and that i think is just her dealing with her trauma okay i go to go and leave probably going to be like spoiling another movie uh i think that she's dead and this is a bit more about like just coming to terms with what has been like her life and actually like the role of men and trying to come to a peace 
stage. We see like a glance, like just a single second of her screaming in a bathtub. Like just a single frame of her screaming in a bathtub. And I was thinking, it's like, oh, maybe her screaming in the bathtub is the noise that she actually sees in FaceTime. And I think that she's imagining like all of these. I think there is a bit more of a spoiler alert about other movies, Mulholland Drive. But with a bit more of a happy ending. Because I also felt it's like, why the friend is actually pregnant? Do you know? It's like, what, what, is, what is this adding at all? What about is he's actually projecting like that pregnancy that she, she was never a mother, she never had kids, also into the men that she's actually seeing? And it's like just mixing up everything together. So you think she died at the, the house she rented? No, 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 before. I think that she never went to the house. I think that she actually, after seeing like the husband like committing suicide, like going to see the body, went back home and she committed suicide in the bathtub. So that that very very final scene that she's not even in that shows the friend pull up to the house. You think that's all part of her dream? I think there's imagination. Yeah, a bit more about like now that I actually remove like all the toxicity that men bring to my life, I can actually you know like connect again with my love friend that I was actually just pushing away. I mean, no reading is invalid. I don't, I don't see the evidence, but I respect the. No, no, no. I mean, it was a bit more about like from my perspective when I see her like just staring at the guy that gets pregnant and gives birth over and over and over again, and how she's like, huh, huh, oh, 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 she's she's he's giving birth again, huh? Is I don't think that any human being react in this kind of chill way. It doesn't matter on what type of movie you are. It can be like a body horror movie, it can be a slasher movie, it can be a drama. Is that no one is going to be reacting in that kind of way of seeing a, a man giving birth to another man through their mouth. I mean, it's not like she's just sitting there pondering. She's like panicked and grabs a knife. Or no, the no. Axe. The axe, but it's like, if you remember, it's like she actually goes like just walking, you know, like walking back like normally. She's not really like panicking. I mean, if you're panicking, would actually just go into the house and just blockade yourself. But she's like just next to it. And, huh. I mean, to be fair, how dangerous huh. is, a, is a person in labor? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, dude, but it's that that was a very bizarre reaction. So from my perspective, it's like she knows. Oh, and we haven't talked about like the moment where she gets polynized. Where she gets what? Polynized. Like pollinization. Do you remember? Pollinated, yeah. That the naked guy like comes, you know, and she actually oh express under like ton of these uh what are they called? Lion, uh, the dandelion, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's like looking there and then suddenly inspired, like wondering, <gasps> and she goes in a rapture. It honestly is bizarre, it's visually striking, it's so bizarre and so bland in all of the symbolism that I just finished. That dude, no. it's like he knows how to make these like creepy moments, he knows how to make it, oh, yeah. he just doesn't know how to tie that solidly to a complex, interesting story. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, I don't know, man. I think that he's better as a director than a screenplay, a screenwriter. Well, we always talk about how rare it is for a director to be able to direct his own, own writing. There are very few. And we always go to Quentin Tarantino. He's the one. Yeah. 
he's kind of an uh, I can't believe I'm gonna say this, but he's kind of an M. Night Shyamalan. Like there's some compelling concepts, and it just he can't wrap it up. Put it together. together. Yeah. Uh, like a comprehensive story. Yeah. Uh, should we go over the questions? Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, would you watch it again? I would, particularly. I I want to watch it and see if I buy into your theory about her being dead. I'd like to go through and see it. Um, yeah, I would watch this again. And in fact, while I sound like I don't like this movie, it's also making me want to go back and rewatch Annihilation, which I also didn't like. <laughs> No, you actually like Annihilation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we discuss about it, and every single time that I tell you I don't like it, you tell me it's like the sing of the beer of the bear. And I say that's amazing. Once again, visually striking. There are like so many scenes that in isolation, they're amazing overall. Just like this. Is that you leave the cinema? I don't know. I mean, I left the cinema. I didn't leave peace, but I left in a <clears throat> dude. I why. Why? why? Why people still allow you to actually just like write your own scripts? Because you can direct. I mean, and the, the acting is amazing, but why? Also, it wasn't the last film he did Annihilation and a film for like a million dollars. Somebody saw that and was like, let's give him 30 million dollars. <laughs> uh, I don't know what was the uh, the budget for this, you know, but uh, Annihilation, the thing is, Sakis Machina was like a very, very small film. You know, it was like an indie film, and it did like pretty well. It was an indie film. Yeah, I mean that got a ton of attention, like from the mainstream. Even though I would argue it wasn't that mainstream. Also, um, Michael Fassbender's wife was in it, so I like it. Oh, she was the android. Mm, yeah, isn't she the android? She is. Yeah. The, sweet the main android. Actress, the new Tomb Raider. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, mm -hmm. they could. Uh, they're an interesting couple. Uh, yeah, and I think that that elevated him like way farther than he should, like way faster than he should. And I still feel, and like, let's give him more. Yeah, yeah. And albeit, I think that the books that Annihilation is based on, they are not that great. I still feel a bit peace that they brought their rights. And they say, it's like, yeah, you know, we know that they're going to be like three books. We'll have the first one, just complete the story and just move on. That, you know, if I was the author of the books, I would be like, what the heck? <laughs> is that you guys like pull it? And they only made one. Yeah, because the thing is, they published those books, if you remember, is that they published them. The guy, I think that he finished like, writing the three books and they just released them like almost back to back. Because and he's just all... like, I, I also, yeah, no, I also read like those three books. And it's like, it's one of the few like recent books that I read. And the first one is okay, the other two are like, oh my. Goodness, is like, thank God that it didn't get adapted. But maybe with a good screenwriter, maybe they could have savaged this in a more interesting way. I don't know. When you talk about rights to the book, I always think of the Nightwatch trilogy from Russia. It's a trilogy <laughs> of books that are crazy popular yep. uh, in Russia. In Russia, they made the first two books into movies. I can't remember the name. It's like Nightwatch is the first one. And then anyway. Yeah. So then Sony was like, well, we're going to buy the rights to the third book and we're going to make it in English and we'll release the Russian films here. Nobody went and saw the Russian films. So Sony's like, we're just not going to make the third one. And Russia can't either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a similar kind of situation. Is that they actually bought the rights 
the movie, actually the interesting thing with the movie is that they knew that it was going to be like tanking. And outside of the States, uh, Netflix has the license. It didn't go to the cinema. Annihilation didn't? Annihilation didn't. Is that the only place where you could actually watch it in the cinema is in the States, was in the States. I don't know if it was like Paramount or whoever, but I don't know if you remember that they actually got like several movies that they went to Netflix. Interesting. Yeah. There was like this one, I think they were like the same time. Well, maybe I'm going to be like getting my food in my mouth, but uh, you remember like the Cloverfield universe from J.J. Abrams. I think that they did like one in a space and that one went straight to uh, to Netflix and it was garbage. Yeah. Everything J.J. Abrams touched turns to garbage. I think that it starts as garbage, but it starts as garbage, but they actually have like some lens flares, so you don't realize that right away. <laughs> Uh, but no, I mean, I, I just think that Alice Garland is limited. Yeah, I. it surprises me to hear you say that people consider him like one of the hopes of modern sci-fi, because he, again, I'm just talking in circles, he is interesting, but I don't see any greatness coming. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I wouldn't watch this again. I may watch it again if I'm high because I think that it's a movie that is borderline. If you remove like the first 20, 30 minutes, I think that it's borderline falling into the categories like it's so bad that it's good. Like Sunshine. Like Sunshine. Exactly that. <laughs> but it's a similar case, you know. It starts like really well. I mean, I love like the first part, but it's like the last, the third act. Is a what the fuck? <laughs> what is the point of this? Love how you said, I will not watch this again. I will watch it when I'm high. <laughs> well, I'm saying that it's like if you remove the first part, but it's like if I am high, like watching the first part, I'm going to be like, this is not enjoyable. <laughs> you know, but the second act and the third act is like, <sighs> like just laughing with friends, basically. Uh, would you recommend it? I would not, but not because I think it's that bad. It's just insignificant. Like, if anyone came to me for a recommendation, this would never pop to the top of my head as something. No, I can't think. Like, Annihilation a million times before this. Yeah. No, even, you're absolutely right. If someone even were to ask me about like, what Alice Carolina movie would you recommend, I wouldn't recommend this. I would even like, recommend Ex Machina before this. But I think yeah. that it's like, eh, also like a bit forgettable. Uh, would you remember it? Um, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I obviously will forget some details, but overall, like, the concepts, that actor playing all the men, the multiple hermaphrodite births, yes. I'm not sure. I think that I'm going to go with no. I think that it's like a movie that I would remember if I see the trailer. You know, I would start like connecting some dots. But otherwise, if someone asks me, is like, hey, do you remember Men by Alice Garland five years in the future? Probably like, I think that I watched it. And I think that I didn't like it because I don't like most of the stuff that he does. But you love to hate him. I think that he doesn't even like deserve my love to hate. You know, I it's think not you like hate to love him, to be honest. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I honestly, when the movie was sober, I was like just basically having like the Catholic approach and actually like just punishing myself about saying like, why 
do I do this to myself? Why do I keep watching his movies? Why do I give him like hope that he's going to be like improving? As I like, like he's day, like whipping your back. Exactly. It's like it almost feels like some kind of penance for something that I did on this life or previous ones. He's like he is not going to improve. And after so many movies, you know, like he wrote the screenplay for and he directed. It's like why? Why do I keep giving him hope? I mean, undeniably, I am drawn to his work, whether I want to admit it or not, but like, I really like 28 Days Later, Sunshine, uh, Never Let Me Go, I wanted it to be better, but I was drawn to it, um, Annihilation, Ex Machina, like, I've seen all of these, and I want to like them, and to be honest, early 20s, what did like them? Uh, and it's fine, honestly, I think that it's a key someone that I think that he could be great, but he's infuriating how of his, you know, there is a more, it's not like something, and we discussed this, I don't really remember, it's like when I told you that it's like, hey, I watch Itonia, and it's infuriating that it's like so close to being an awesome movie. But he has a history of so close, and <laughs> like, talk about Charlie Kaufman, he's done what, three, three films, directed three films now, or four? Sino de... Yeah, four. He, you can see him getting better. Like, you can yeah. see that he's going to be a good director. You don't see Alex Garland improving in, in his storytelling, at least. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the problem is that if he worked with a good screenwriter, I think that the result could be, like, really interesting. But as you said, he's like, I'm not Salomon. Just keep trying, but it's not going to be, like, getting any better. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so, yeah, I don't think that I'm going to remember. I'm going to be, like, just having the Pavlov response. About like, I don't remember what was it about, but I know probably how I left the cinema. Is Pavlov's response to pull up your phone and buy a ticket to the next Alex Garland film? Because that's what I think your Pavlov response is. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that it would be a bit more about like just feeling infuriated, you know, like not being completely sure about why until I see the trailer and it's like, I remember why. That's why. Yeah. Uh, is, there anything, is there anything artistic about it? Yeah, I mean, the guy knows how to set up a scene. That that New York Times series of The Anatomy of a Scene, like, I would want to hear him talk about one of the more interesting moments of the film. Like, he's good at that. He can make these individual moments. Yeah. No, I think that the photography, you know, like, and the directing, the acting, you know, like everything is top-notch. It's like the elements are, like, complete. They're, like, doing a movie only with two actors, and especially, like, the guy performing, like, all of those roles, and they're all on point. You know, like even the Keith, that he was like, Dude, this is weird, but I mean, I guess that's, you know, it's exactly what it had to be. But just the weirdness. I think that that's like exceptional. You know, I'm like, so oh, impressed yeah. So impressed. Every single character he played was distinct and unique. I was mind blown. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I expect that, they, that at least that part gets recognition. The rest of the movie is. But it's like one of those things that is, okay, this. That's piece. More or less. Uh, but I think that that part is a gem. Is the, 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 you know, like the title man of men is, I think, that is actually like just carrying the movie. I know that at the end it's about her, but it's that he does a perfect job for actually like just pushing like the story forward. So in that New York Times interview, he said, I don't like, I don't really like making films. It's something I force myself to do. 
was like, what? I don't stop a bitch. What are you trying to look cool? Like, oh, I don't really like directing. I just like. Uh, oh, that pissed me off so bad. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, he found the perfect place, A24. He suggests, oh, it sounds like a very like millennial thing to say. I'm like, eh, you know, right. it's the, because, you know, whatever. I had to do something, so whatever. It's an intellectual I exercise that I make myself do to stay interesting. Yeah, uh, but, you know, I'd rather do like, I know, crocheting or something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy actually is from 1970, so he's not a millennial. But that's like something that I would expect from millennials to say. 52? <laughs> yeah. Huh. Uh, ta, 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 ta. So let's see. Uh, is it a timeless piece? Yeah, I think <clears throat> everything that he attempts to explore is timeless. It's, you know, fear. Yes. Maybe that's yeah. the only thing he's learned. <laughs> <laughs> I think that the kind of trauma that he has, he plays pretty well right now. Like, for example, Annette is another movie that he plays like with that kind of trauma and just seeing like men as toxic, you know? Yeah. It's timely for right now, but I think that also probably is going to be like be able to be watched like 20 years in the future. It and you get this. just as mediocre in 2042. So. Yep, nothing is going to change. It's still going to feel like that. Yeah, that's good that there is a movie, you know, that it talks about these things. But the execution, as always, Alex Garland, it also matters. Yeah. Would uh, you turn into a, into a TV show? I kind of okay. So my answer is no, but I kind of want to say yes. Just to, I would like to watch like eight episodes of this dude being different men. <laughs> like, I think there's enough there to be entertaining for eight hours, but I, I think, think that I. Yeah, I think that actually that would backfire because I think that what it makes interesting in his role is that it's back to back, back to back, like different actors. When you go to the path and you have like five copies of him, you know, in the same room, that's... it that's amazing. But it's like you actually like spread it across like multiple episodes of all, oh, on this one he's the vicar and on this one he's the kid and this one is like no i want to see like the fast pace about like one 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 you know like the i think that that's what makes interesting like the time that she's basically being hunted down in the house like that night that is that like, we see all the actors all of them well all the actors all of the roles the same actor like playing all the roles we see like even like the uh, one of the guys from the path like running to the door Ooh, that was fairly creepy. yeah and then we see like the naked guy we see the policeman we see uh, jeffrey that is the i think that that's like the part that even like the guys that she trusts as she actually trusts the vicar or she trusted the landlord of the house the owner of the house they turn dangerous they turn like damaging you know uh and that transfer i think that that part like that specific role when uh, jeffrey gets like run over with the car and then he comes back and just push her out of the car i feel it's like yeah that's you know i can understand like the fear that she has about like hey i was trusting him a moment ago but she never questions that hey but he disappeared a moment ago that's the reason why i think is like this has to be all my dream you know because she's like rolling with whatever that is happening in front of her again <clears throat> i want to rewatch it to examine this theory and now <clears throat> i'm kind of fusing in my mind i'm thinking of ending things 
which is that same. Uh, mm-hmm. I was gonna say gimmick, but uh, with her, not a gimmick. So... When Charlie Kaufman does it, it's not a gimmick. <laughs> oh way. no, because I think that that script is amazing. You know, for what it's trying to do is that like this case has. It's not subtle because after the first 10 15 minutes i was saying it's like what is this what about if see we're going to be like talking sorry because this has been more of a plot device that it has been used like many many times to different degrees of success so when jacob's ladder does I it, knew you were gonna bring it up. <laughs> because that's how i left it's like this is fucking jacob's ladder uh but uh it was a bit more a novelty at that point and when I'm thinking of ending things, does it, or Mulholandra, does it, is it's more nuanced. In this, I just felt it's the dude. Okay, I mean, it's, just, it's clear that you're like driving this about like all the men are the same, all the men are dangerous, and that's how you bring like the point across because she's only a single man and she goes to a paradisiac place that she's always like just thinking about like, this was my dream of coming here the whole life. Is it, oh, like heaven? <laughs> I'm gonna really hate this movie if that turns out to be true. <laughs> uh, I don't know, man, but it felt like, dude, dude, so heavy-handed in all of these. I don't know. If we stop recording. I'll go to Reddit and find out. <laughs> <laughs> Do as you please. Honestly, I just left. It's like, you know, like half of the movie, it was like just rolling my eyes when things started just to click about like this has to be this. It just fell off. Ah, uh, whatever. Uh, do you think that this movie could have been better? Yes. Yes. If there had been like a strong narrative structure and less or more subtlety. The thing is, I do you think that this movie? Imagine that you actually like run the pitch to someone. You know, there is like an elevator pitch about like, hey, I'm going to be like doing a movie that is going to be like doing this symbology about men and a woman like just healing through something as traumatic as seeing his husband, her husband, like committing suicide. Uh, do you think that a better script could have come out out of that with that premise? I certainly do. Yes. <laughs> okay. Just making sure. Because I also think yes, but at the same time I'm thinking about like why would it change? Because it would have changed a lot. But honestly, think about like a director you love. My mind went to Hanukkah because that's all we ever talk about. But think about like if Hanukkah directed this. He would have never directed that. Right. I, I know. He, he's much better than this. But I'm just saying, if you think about a director that is like top notch, nuanced, allows you to feel things. Malik. <laughs> I never have seen it if he directed it. Oh, 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 oh. Aronofsky. <gasps> you see? If we had given the script to Aronofsky, it could have been brilliant. You're laughing. I'm being serious. Well, I was thinking about, like, okay, what what other movie can I think of that it tries to be, like, very symbolical, you know, and just hiding exactly what it is until, like, things fall into place. The only problem is that there is no any kind of doubt or anything because the second time, even the trailer already tells you that they are not the same actors. So this has to be a dream, a nightmare, some kind of dying hallucination or whatever. So from that perspective, the trailer already, like, gave you too much because you... You're being like pretty face value here. It's almost like A24, like with it was A24 and Lamb. Lamb was from them. I think, but I think 
Lamb was created and A24 bought it. Oh, gotcha. I think that, for example, like Lamb, the trailer gave away like way too much. Yeah, I agree. It gave away all the like interesting Good. parts of that film. <laughs> yeah. I... Everything in those moments was really boring. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that this movie suffers like a bit from the same. And but the problem is that like, you cannot do a trailer that it lasts like one minute without revealing that it's like there are more men, and they are the same men, and that's the whole thing of this movie. Because Alex Garland likes gimmicks. Yep, uh, and I don't know because I was thinking about Mother. That is also like another fail idea. That if he had spent more than two days writing that script, maybe it could have been better. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, what he attempted to do, retelling, like, the story of Genesis or whatever, I don't know, was it Revelation? I don't know, some story yeah. from the Bible. Like, like, it's ambitious what he tried to do, and, and it could have, like, it failed. Yes, it failed. What Alex Garland tried to do was not ambitious. <laughs> I think that from his perspective, it may have been... Absolutely, yes. He thought this was his mother. <laughs> Look, if you're a director... You're a director, and you're actually saying, like, this is going to be my masterpiece, this is going to be my, and you use mother as a reference, you're set up for failure. Because what is the best thing that you actually achieve a mother? You achieve the, the level of, grand, of grandiosity of that movie. I love how we were texting the other day about, um, did we see this movie together? Because in our 10-year friendship, we've seen, what, maybe five films? And yeah. they've been Let's Be Cops, Mother, <laughs> Nymphomaniac volume well, one. <laughs> there was something else, and I think that we're. I don't remember, dude, but it's like I had the feeling that in one movie. Jurassic Park. <laughs> Jurassic Park, but you didn't fall asleep to that one. Uh, I don't know, man. We didn't watch like too many of them, but yeah, Mother, I remember like just like finishing the movie, and me like just looking at you like. Opening night. <laughs> opening night. It's, like, it's midnight. We just finished watching an Aronofsky movie on an early showing because it was officially opening the following day. And the cinema was full, if I recall correctly. It was. Yeah. He had just come off Black Swan. How could I have known? <laughs> okay, Black Swan is better, regardless if it's a ripoff from Perfect Blue, but whatever. Uh, in any case, if I. I don't think that anyone should use Mother as a reference. I don't know who could have directed like this properly, but I don't think that he's the right director for doing like something like this. Kaufman, even like as a director, if Kaufman actually had written the script for this, and he had and uh, Alex Garland directed this, I think that the result could have been cool. My mind actually goes to Danny Boyle, but like early Danny Boyle like not the stuff he's done recently so transporting that he was no like um single white female oh okay that could be interesting i mean the thing is like i, I would rather have like this is missing nuance and this is missing well a lot of the stuff he did not do a single white female so <laughs> i don't know why i thought he did who directed a single white female? I don't know, honestly. A uh, single white female film series. There are more than one? Uh, directed by Barbara Scrutter. I don't know. Okay, well, anyway. 
Yeah, I can't. I can't think specifically of a director I would like to see direct the script or approve yeah. it. But I do feel like in the right hands it could have been more. I don't know. Maybe there's just not enough in the story, and that's the end of it. There's just not enough substance. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, in any case, before we score these, I'm going to be asking you. You remember a question? Around oh, movie, sorry. Clueless, uh, because I can I can really tell you about this plot of Clueless. <laughs> let's 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 not let's not talk about Clueless yet. Uh, what do you remember about Ladies Not Blood? Nothing besides Quentin Tarantino was inspired by. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, was he! But okay. Uh, no, nothing at all. I can't, I can't remember a single thing. Nothing at all. No. Okay. No, I only remember that is like, the daughter of a woman that gives birth in prison that she was actually raped by the guards and she looks for vengeance and she starts like hunting them down when she's like 20 years old or something and they're like these beautiful like, scenes where she's like just basically fighting to death like yeah. that, you know in a Tarantino movie you know and spreading like the blood on the snow kills Lucy Liu right <laughs> 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 no, I, I, yeah there's like he totally Quentin Tarantino did an homage to this fighting in the snow scene yes I, I remember that I remember yeah, the yeah, but yeah, no, yeah. I didn't remember. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, maybe we should rewatch it. I thought that it's like a series of movies. Maybe at some point we should watch like a sequel of those. I'm down. I'll forget yeah. those too. <laughs> of course, but it's a good time. Uh, so as this was my big man, uh, I think that you should score it first. I, I think I'm gonna give this. Going anywhere between a 5.5 and a 6.5, I'm gonna go with a six. Are you gonna do six? Uh, I'm giving it a five. It's like it's for me. Like it's oh not terrible, God. but it's, it's not. Let me ask you this: everything else playing at the theater you went to, this was probably one of the more interesting films. Well, I think that actually there was like a more interesting film that we may talk about the next time. Maybe. But let's not give it away. Yeah. Uh, I agree that it's interesting that it tries to do something. I mean, that's the reason why it's a four and it's not, sorry, it is a five and not a four. That is like, dude, you try to do something interesting, but you don't know exactly how to execute on this because the premise is not bad. That's the reason why I'm like, look, it's not good, it's not bad. I know that I'm a bit biased because I have like a Almost sounds like a personal grudge against Alice Carroll. Doesn't almost sound like that. You've said you love to hate him like nine times. No, 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 no. I, I actually say like I hate, and I hate. You know, it's like I, I, I don't think that there is love here. I think that it's a bit more of a masochistic thing from my side about like I should just let him be. Is like, why do I keep giving him chances? Because I know that I'm going to be like hurting myself more. Did you watch Top Gun? Anyone? No, not yet. <laughs> it's a good. I was gonna ask what? like Top Gun or Jurassic Park. I saw both. Top Gun technically is a better film. I still found men more interesting. Jurassic Park was a piece of shit. I would choose men. I would choose men over both those films, is what I'm saying. Okay. Alright, no, that's fair. That's fair. I haven't watched like the other ones. So yeah. 
I'm afraid that I cannot have an opinion. But the other ones, I mean, let's just be honest, is that those other two movies, they don't have lofty aspirations. I don't think, I don't think that when they were doing like Top Gun Maverick, is like Tom Cruise was thinking, is that this, this is my new Magnolia. I'm going to be like changing lives with this. <laughs> okay, <man. laughs> that was a low blow. Magnolia is a good movie. <laughs> no, but what I'm saying is that Magnolia had like a bit more lofty aspirations, regardless of what you think about PTA or not. And I think there's a way better movie than any of these ones. But it's like it's just Top Gun Maverick is just a blockbuster entertaining movie. Yeah. I, I, that just goes to my point is that yeah there are problems but I'm still grateful that there are men type films next to Top Gun and Jurassic Park oh yeah 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 uh, me too I don't regret going to watch it but if I have to score it is dude <laughs> I have to be honest is that I'm not going to be like, recommending it to anyone you know but I also appreciate that they are like releases with this I appreciate Alveda give like a lot of flag to, uh, to A24 I appreciate that they exist Yep. Because for Especially each one, everything <laughs> I was going to say like for every man and everywhere, every everything everywhere all at once, they have a. It follows. That's fair. Or they have a ghost story. Or they have a. I'm running out of ones. Uh, hereditary maybe. That was a nice one. Yeah. I think uh, that for you. Oh, that falls more in the Alice Carlin territory. Uh, yeah. I love it. We have to rewatch that soon. I watched it like uh, two weeks ago. Oh, that's right. We saw so yeah. many movies while we were trying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, overall, if anyone has listened to this without watching it, do something else with your life. You haven't missed anything. I didn't want to say it at the beginning, you know, but. Is it the kind of movie that if it plays on the TV once again, if fun with friends and I want to have like a good laugh, I would say it's like, hey, this was the 15 first minutes, you know, like completely serious as this like a provocative kind of setup, and then let's get drunk. I just wish you would use slow motion less. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a pollination I seeing <laughs> use the slow motion as they do. No. And then the slow motion of the husband follow, falling, like we saw like nine times. Yeah, I, yeah, he loves to actually, there are like several scenes that he uses, like sequences that he shots over and over with the small variations. And he's like, look, this doesn't make it better. Yep, you're just repeating the same thing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so what are we watching next? We are going to watch a film from the most recent lineup at Cannes. Um, David Cronenberg returned to his roots of body horror, full-blown genre body horror, um, and we're going to watch not his 1970s film, Crime of the Future, the 2022 film he made, called, also called Crimes of the Future, starring Viggo Mortensen, Lea Sidhu, and... Uh, Chris Stewart. Yeah, yeah. Chris Stewart was the one from No, she was Twilight. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I remember she's always, they was she's in really good movies now. She was in a really good shit. That one she did with Juliette Binoche, Snakes of the 
remember. Anyway. Okay, okay. She's in good stuff. Then we don't remember. But yeah, looking forward because we mentioned we mentioned body horror and we mentioned if men we asked if men was more interesting than other stuff that was on the cinema. That's crimes of the future. So we can we'll find out next week. <laughs> okay, and it's better than Certainly. <laughs> uh, and to everyone else that is listening to us, thank you so much for putting up with us. Um, anything else? And according to the Biden administration, you don't have to wash your hands or test it or do anything anymore. So. Yeah, just touch your eyes. Just like wipe your eyes every day. Yep. <laughs> Bye.